Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Alcohol, number 15. It's called what? Try not to get motivated. I know it's been a little bit since we've been in the study, but that's right, Brian. I heard him back there. Satanism and the rise of devil worship, okay? And why are we on this? Because the Bible talks about it. That's right, John, because the Bible talks about it. And we're Sunrise Bible Church, so we're going to talk about it. And so since that's the reality, we dealt with, first of all, to recap, because that's what we do every time, uh, we dealt with the existence of Satan and certainly demons. And what's the problem? 65%, not just the world doesn't believe in him, by and large, but 65% of those who profess to be Christians do not believe in Satan. Shocker. You wonder why it's on the rise. He's having a heyday because even the church doesn't believe in him. Well, if you read the Bible, which I highly recommend, Old Testament, New Testament, as we've been seeing, it's all over the place. Hello, there really is a real devil, real demons. It's not a game. Okay, you don't need to freak out and be afraid, but you need to deal with it. Okay, and that's why we moved on from that because he's real. We dealt with the character of Satan. We dealt with the tactics of Satan. And then we begin to ask the question, well, how in the world do we get into this mess? And not just in the world. I, I, I'm not shocked by that because they don't know Christ, right? Uh, the scripture says that the mind of the unspiritual, 1 Corinthians 3, does not understand spiritual things. I get that, right? But the church, how could 65% of people who claim to be Christians say, there's not a devil, it's just a simple idea. What? What Bible are you reading? Well, apparently you're not reading it. So how do we get into this mess? Well, they, that's why we begin to deal with the history of Satanism and begin to take a look at how it not only infiltrated into our world, but how it, believe it or not, even came into the church. Then we got into the beliefs of Satanism, okay, as well. And what are these guys uh, doing? What was the number one law? Do what you will shall be the whole of the law. Me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, whatever you want to do. And what's the number one virtue being pumped in people's heads today? That, which is what? The number one law of Satanism. But most people don't get it. They just think it's self-help and self-actualization you know, and all that stuff. No, it's Satanism. And that's where it came from, as we saw. Then we took a look at the last couple of times, the behavior of Satanism. We saw these people don't just believe certain things uh, and then just stick it on a shelf or stay in the little hole and uh, uh, hidden away from society. Uh-uh. They want those beliefs. And this is on tape. We saw that in video, that their, their desire is they want their beliefs to replace Christianity even here in the United States of America. And so they're using their behavior uh, to get their beliefs to permeate our society. And then we broke that down. We saw they're doing that as we sit here in schools, right? Just saw another article this week, uh, this Satanism in schools, that the after-school Satan, it's, it's happening all across. It's nuts, right? But it's a good thing that the church is alerting people about it. Yeah, that rhymes with crickets, right? And you wonder why all this is, they're getting away with it because the church is out there saying, learn to be a better you, learn to, you know, all this and self-esteem. What's the, that in itself is Satanism in the church. So the church is not only talking about it, it's going along with it. Then we saw Satanism even in the government, okay? Satanism even in the military. Satanism, yes, we demonstrated even in the church, okay? And that's just their first behavior. The second behavior we took a look at is their ritualistic behavior. And we saw just like uh, witchcraft, Satanists also have a yearly calendar where they do their ugly, dirty deeds, including murder and things of that nature. It's sick, it's gross, it's satanic, okay? But it really does go on and we need to deal with it. Okay, including the murder of children. And not only that, we saw that they also have what's called satanic ritual abuse, where they do this and prepare people, generational Satanists, okay, uh, called SRA or satanic ritual abuse, where they actually grow people up to be future Satanists or grow them up to be future sacrifices. Okay, it's sick, it's gross. And that's kind of where we left off last time. But let me just reiterate that. 
uh, in the ritual, what is satanic ritual abuse, also known as SRA. It includes, quote, the abuse by Satanists, including incest and a wide variety of gross sex acts, mutilization, abduction of children, forcing women to have babies that are then sacrificed to Satan and then murdered. Uh, The abusers are thought to be a part of a nationwide, even worldwide conspiracy involving families over several generations. Remember that one video that guy, Glenn, who was a generational Satanist and then eventually got saved? Remember what he did? He purposely went into churches to cause trouble to bring them down. But remember what he said? He said, I sat there in that one Baptist church for two years. Nobody had any idea I was a Satanist. And all I did was just gossip and mumble, make people fight against each other. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff that goes on, right? And they said this, thousands of adults can't all be wrong, and quote, thousands of children can't all be lying. This is where we left off last time. It was sick, it's gross, but we've got to deal with it. And silence is not helping these children uh, and these people at all, okay? Which now leads us to the next section we're going to get at to tonight, and that's the symbols of Satanism, right? So if you ever wondered, is this stuff really going on in my community, my neighborhood, uh, my city, uh, things of that nature, then all you got to do is look at the symbols, question no more. But what's the problem? People have never been taught about Satanism. They don't even realize that they're probably operating under the laws of Satanism, even in the church about self comes first, that's Satanism all the way, okay? Uh, but they certainly have no clue about the symbols, okay? Because what you see is it just like with witchcraft. Remember the symbols of witchcraft? Witchcraft takes their beliefs and they codify their beliefs into symbols, well, Satanists do the exact same thing. In fact, they even mark their territory with them, okay? And so if you understand their symbols, just like with witchcraft, then you'll see, hey, they're in my area, unfortunately, and you need to speak up and speak out and get motivated, okay? This is really, because this is going on. They, they will let you know they're there, even where you are, but you got to know the symbols, okay? And that's what we're going to do tonight. But before we get into that, let's remind ourselves of the sneaky scheme of Satan and how he hides his motives and presence, uh, even sometimes in plain sight, and as we're going to see tonight with secret symbols, okay? So open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, that's our opening text, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and let's deal with yet another scriptural passage, Old and New Testament, that Satan is just a figment of your imagination, and pastors come up with this to scare you and keep you in line, and so you give them all their cash, right? Well, that's what the world says, okay? But no, once again, we're going to see uh, that Satan is real. And as Paul says, you need to acknowledge how he operates so that you don't get schnookered, yes, even as a Christian. But let's take a look, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's take a look at verse 8 there. Uh, and, let's, uh, uh, and let's go ahead and, uh, as, yeah, verse 8 says, I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. All right, now, you're gonna, now let's grab the context of what's going on here. This is, how many guys can realize that this is 2 Corinthians, which came after 1 Corinthians? Raise your hand. <laughs> you biblical scholars, look at you. Bring a tear to my eye. <laughs> 10 years has been paying off. Right. Okay, well, what do you mean reaffirm your love for him? Well, this is picking up on an event that happened in 1 Corinthians where a person confessing to be a Christian was involved in gross immorality and was not repentant of it. And uh, Paul was telling him, you need to kick that guy out, right? And don't even fellowship with the guy. Now, why would you not want to do that? Because he needs to feel ashamed for his behavior. But then when he comes back and owns up to it and repents, and then that's where we'll pick up here, he says, okay, now welcome him back. In fact, let me give you that context there, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 11 through 13. But now I am writing, Paul says, that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister 
but is sexually immoral. That's what this guy was doing. Or he had some other things. Or is what? Greedy or an idolater or a slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler. In fact, watch what he says. Do not even eat with such people. Who's he talking about? In the church, right? Now, why would Paul say, don't even eat with such a person? Have you ever been shunned? It kind of makes you feel ashamed of what you did, doesn't it? That's not a bad thing, right? Okay, and then he says this. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Wait a second, I thought Christians weren't supposed to judge. Yeah, what Bible are you reading, right? God will uh, judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you, right? Uh, not only is it a sad state, and this is just a little rabbit trail here, uh, many churches don't even discipline, and you wonder why it's so messed up. Right? And they don't follow the Matthew 18 principle. They don't follow if somebody's causing division. Uh, Titus chapter 3, warn a divisive person once, warn them a second time, third time. Bye, you're out of the church. It, you know, and I've, I'm, I can be here to tell you stories all the time. I had, I had to do stuff like that. Right? And, but that keeps us pure. That keeps us on the right track. And, and when your parents discipline you, it's because they hated your guts. No, it's because they know that you're heading down a bad road. And so I'm going to spank you back on track because I love you. Same thing, God gives discipline in Scripture. He tells you what to do, so the church isn't always full of troubles. Bad behavior continues because bad behavior is allowed to continue. It's a phrase I've said for years. Okay, so that's what Paul's saying here is, well, somebody is unrepentant, and is, oh, what? Then guess what? Expel them. You're out of here. You're out of here in the church. We are not going to allow you to continue in that sin, and you refuse to repent about it because we will be giving our stamp of approval on that. Out of here. Bye. Oh, and by the way, we're not going to call you. We're not going to email you. We're not taking you out to lunch or nothing. And that's the other second step that I've seen that churches make a big mistake on. They do act, you know, well, we can still be friends. No, because what you're doing is taking away the sting of shame of what they did. It's supposed to hurt. You're supposed to feel alienated. And the Holy Spirit can use that to say, you know what, man, I, 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 I was arrogant. I was prideful. I didn't want to admit it, but you know what? I, I miss my church family, and you know what? They were right, and I need to come back and own up to that. And that's where we pick up. Paul says, now bring it back into the fold. You get the context there? Okay, that's what he says there. All right, he says this. So I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. The reason I wrote to you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Listen, why do we do this? Why do we follow the scripture? Not only with discipline, but also uh, reconciliation. And, And make sure that we forgive as Christ forgave us when people are repenting, right? He says this, in order that who? Figment of our imagination. Scare tactics from preachers. What's the word there? Satan might not what? Outwit us, for we are not what? Unaware of his schemes. And how many people are unaware of his schemes? Because they don't even believe in them. And I'm talking about people professing to be Christians, okay? Now, let me break that down a little bit in the Greek there. Outwit us, uh, the Greek word, it means to take advantage of, to gain advantage over, to literally to defraud, unaware is agnaeo, and it means to be ignorant of, literally to have no knowledge of. Can you believe, could, could you imagine a time when people who profess to be Christians, even whole churches, have no knowledge of Satan whatsoever? Well, Paul says, don't ever get in that state. You're in a heap of trouble, right? It literally means no perception or understanding. You know, it, doesn't even, it doesn't even enter into your mind that Satan is out there trying to undermine not just the world, 
but even in the church. And schemes, of course, is the Greek word noema, which means mind or mental perception. So Paul basically says the last thing you ever want to do is to totally be ignorant of, have no perception of, no understanding of the scheming mind of Satan, his evil purposes, his thought, what he's up to. Otherwise, he's going to what? He's going to outwit you. He's going to take advantage of you. That's what he does every day, whether you like it, lump it, leave it or not, and you'll be toast, okay? And I'm telling you, one of the ways that he does that, even in our days, is to operate right under our noses, and we don't even realize it. It doesn't even enter the brain. It's it just, we, and what Paul's saying in Ephesians 6, not all of our battles are what? Physical, they're what? It's spiritual, right? But the churches don't even think about Satan. They don't think about demons. Now, I'm not saying go the other extreme. And, I had a flat tire. That was a demon, right? Somebody, right? I was at the store and somebody said, hey, sale on chicken. That guy's demon possessed, right? You know, all that. No, it doesn't mean everything's a demon, but don't go the other extreme and say, oh, it's all natural. Just bad luck. <laughs> it might be a spiritual attack, right? Okay. And one of the ways he does that is to think that not only, as we saw, churches don't even believe in him and he really exists, but then when he's, okay, yeah, he's real, but you know what? It's not really that big of a deal. You guys are just, you're just one of those freaky churches, right? You're just full of hysteria and the conspiracy theory people. And because and Satan, they're not really that prevalent. It's not really that bad. It's just an isolated group of people. No. Remember Sean Sellers, who was a Satanist and killed his parents? Okay. Uh, he admitted that Satanists lie through their teeth. And that's what Satan does. He lies. But to get people to think, that they're innocuous, that it's not that big of a deal, right? And, and those people that do those bad things, that's not real Satanists. That's people taking it the wrong way. He called him on the carpet before he was uh, executed for his crimes. He was actually allowed to be on Geraldo Rivera show. And watch this. He calls him out on the carpet. This is cool. John Sellers condemned to die by lethal injection because of the murder of your mother, your stepfather, and a convenience store clerk, You've heard the Satanist say that it is not the teaching that is wrong, it is the person that's wrong. Are you using Satanism as a cover for your violence? No, I'm not. I've heard quite a few, well, I can call them as lies on the show right now. I've heard uh, Dr. Aquino say that uh, Satanism is not, or the ideals that we're talking about here are not Satanism. That is because Satanists believe that good is evil and evil is good. And so, of course, they're not the ideals that he believes in. He believes that evil is good. That is what I believed in. I heard him say that the uh, uh, Satanic Bible is not to be taken literally. But I talked to a 16-year-old boy yesterday who takes the Satanic Bible literally. I've been working with a lot of ministries around the United States trying to get and help people get out of the occult. He takes the Satanic Bible literally. I took it literally. A lot of people are taking the Satanic Bible literally. And um, I heard um, Anton LaVey's daughter say that... Uh, these um, babies who are being sacrificed, you know, they're, it's not Satanism. Or she wouldn't answer to saying that it was. The fact of the matter is that kids are abducted, teenagers are drawn into the occult, and a lot of them are being used for uh, occult um, sacrifices. And there's been so much on the show that you've, so, you've shown so much pain and blood and all this other gore and stuff, but you really haven't shown how to get out of the occult for those who want to get out. There is... Um, let me tell you a story about a friend of mine. She tell it briefly, she, Sean. Go ahead. Uh, just give me one half minute. Go ahead. Her name is, um, you know, anyway, she works with the uh, Watch Network in uh, Texas. And she told me that a lady called her and said, my daughter is involved in Satanism and I want her to get out, but I don't want her to become some kind of Jesus freak or anything like that. 
So he told her, I'm sorry, I can't help you. A month later, the girl was uh, living with her aunt and uncle because her mother was in an insane asylum and she was threatening to kill her aunt and uncle. What's your point, Sean? She destroyed three lives, her mother's, herself, and her aunt and uncle's because she didn't want her, her mother didn't want her to become a Jesus freak. I want to tell you right now, there is no other way out of Satanism except through Jesus Christ. Do you believe That's in the it. devil to this day? I believe in the devil, but I don't worship the devil. I'm a Christian. I stand up boldly and proudly and proclaim my faith in Jesus. Susan I'm telling you, there is no way out of Satanism except through Christ. Powerful. But again, he called them on the carpet. They're lies. Ah, we're not that big of a deal. Those people that do those things, kill kids and all this. Nah, that's not what Satan, you liar. And, and so the people buy into that and they're unaware that he's really operating in the background. And this is really what's going on. Sean Sellers, by the way, he was executed by lethal injection February 14th, 1999, and, uh, and uh, five minutes before the lethal drugs were injected, uh, he died at 12.17 a.m. His final statement uh, by addressing his step-siblings, he said this, all the people that are hating me right now, and again, he murdered his parents and did all kinds of other things we saw before earlier in our study. He said, all the people that are hating me right now and are waiting to see me die, when you wake up in the morning, you're not going to feel any different. You're going to hate me just as much tomorrow as tonight. When you wake up and nothing has changed inside, reach out to God and he'll be there for you. Reach out to God and he'll heal you. Let him touch your hearts. Don't hate all your lives. Don't hate all your lives. I love you all. In the final minutes before injection, Sellers sang modern Christian music and then sang loudly, here I come, Father, I'm coming home. And he sang his last words, set my spirit free that I might praise thee, set my spirit free that I might worship thee. God can save anybody he wants. But again, this is what Satan does. This is what Paul says. Listen, don't, I mean, come on, man. You don't, don't be unaware of what he's up to or he's going to outwit you. He's going to take advantage of you, right? And this is going on. I'm telling you, I truly believe he's having a heyday, not just in the world, but he's having a heyday in the church because people, when's the last time anybody's ever talked about this? And you might be wondering, Pastor Billy, how can we keep bringing up these uh, videos and Satanism from the 80s and 90s with people wearing mullets and those cool outfits and all that stuff? Because that's all there is. Seriously, I was shocked. I'm, it, it, that tells you how long it's been decades that any legitimate church ministries are really dealing with occult issues. That's why I'm sharing mullet videos. Okay, <laughs> I got another one coming up pretty soon. But anyway, it's, it's, it's good, right? Because that's the last time when the church took this serious, right, is the problem, okay? But another way that Satan is out with us uh, and take advantage of people is not just a lack of belief in him and a lack of teaching on it, Although, even though it's all over the Scripture, Old New Testament, hello. And if you're going to be a Christian, you need to study all the Bible, so you've got to deal with it sometime. But it's by not even to recognize the symbols, the markings of Satanism, because you not only don't believe in them and you've never been taught about them, even though it's in the Scripture, but you don't even realize the symbols that they, they will. They admit, here I am in your neighborhood, in your city. In fact, we give specific details of exactly what we're doing, even what rituals we're doing. They mark their territory, just like with witchcraft, okay? Uh, and so let's begin that journey to take a look at some of the symbols, right? And I, I'm just going to challenge you, and we did the same thing with witchcraft. I'm not going to deal with all of them. We're going to deal with quite a few of them, Right? In our study, but I'm going to challenge you, after you start now seeing what these symbols are, that they're coming from Satanism and what they mean, I challenge you with both eyes open now as you're tootling around Vegas or wherever you guys are watching this video, okay, you're going to see these symbols. And you're going to see just like I had, because when we did witchcraft, I had several of you come back, Pastor Billy, man, I didn't know. I saw I started seeing them on people's tattoos and backpacks and out in the city and graffiti. I thought it was just gang stuff. 
It was witchcraft. I'm telling you the same thing with Satanism. It's here in Vegas, folks. We need to wake up to it. But <clears throat> get ready for mullet man. Begin the journey with mullet man and symbols of Satanism. Let's take a look. Okay, real quick. There's two different communities that use this park. Uh, one is the uh, pagan or occultic community. And the other community is, of course, the homosexual community. Interestingly enough, uh, they go hand in hand. And so, well, see, here you go. Um, upon entering the park, I mean, you can see they've already got started. Uh, okay. Uh, this is a pentacle. The interesting thing about this pentacle is it's an upright pentacle. This is not a satanic pentacle. Now, the reason why this pentacle would not be considered satanic is because it has one point up. Now, Satanists would reverse this star, or pentacle as it's called, and have two points up. Those represent uh, the horns of Baphomet uh, and or the horns of Satan. Uh, but now, right over here, I can see on a tree here, there's a, there's a uh, inverted cross. Now, this is satanic. This is a very generic symbol. Uh, let me see. It's, well, it's actually fairly fresh, too. Um, this here, of course, is a, a bastardization of Christianity, and it's a very common symbol. Obviously, they probably had a party or, or a ritual here uh, within the past night or two. Uh, usually what they'll do is they'll mark, it's almost like a path. They'll mark a path to kind of show you where the action's at. Uh, the colors they'll use will be white, red, and black. Those are the dominant uh, colors of uh, the satanic movement. And uh, basically, well, okay, over here, see? Here you go. This, well, see, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Okay, uh, what you're looking at here is called Voodoo Vivi. Um, this is kind of like a coat of arms, if you will, uh, for the demonic. And uh, the implications of this is definitely satanic. Uh, when I showed you earlier the one-pointed-up star as we first came in, and I told you that, you know, the implications of Satanism are two points up. As you can see, there are two points up here. And someone has made it very clear uh, they were probably worshiping Set, because it, it says Set here, so it's pretty obvious. Now, this here, if I'm not mistaken, uh, looks like a money Vivi. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were here in the park doing a money ritual. And uh, this is very typical. This is the kind of thing that you can expect to see uh, not only on crime scenes, but in areas where occultists hang out. Um, like gang graffiti, occultists kind of communicate to each other through their graffiti. On the rise there up here is, is a very flat area, concrete area, uh, that is used often. I even frequented it uh, for ritual practice. Well, there you go. You can see from here um, 666 and an eye. Now that eye above 666 is an Egyptian eye. Uh, the eye of Anubis. So I can tell by looking at this eye that these people that were up here were into ceremonial magic. Um, these aren't witches. These are definitely Satanists. You look at these dumpsters. See, this is how they talk to each other. Now, what you see here, this is gang graffiti, okay? And this, this is how gangs talk to each other, okay? 
But now this is how occultists talk to each other. This here is a psilocybin mushroom. So probably um, they had a, a psilocybin ritual, which is not uncommon. Occultists are known for using uh, uh, peyote and, and psilocybin. And uh, so this was probably uh, a, a psilocybin ritual. Okay, here you go. Shem Hemfarash is a satanic invocation, and Halley is also part of a satanic invocation. There is a book out called The Greater Key of Solomon, and in The Greater Key of Solomon, you will see on the seal of Solomon this word. All right, from what I can tell um, from the graffiti and everything that I've seen, and what I see here on the uh, concrete, it looks like they actually have the ritual here. Now, there's an N here for north, and there's an S over here for south. Now, while these are not the true directions, obviously someone had a bad sense of direction, I'm assuming that this is where they actually had their ritual. One of the reasons why they would use this particular area to have a ritual is it is on concrete, and it's a nice open area. When we used to come up and uh, have rituals, and we had a group, we would look for an open flat space. This is an open flat space. This would be an ideal place for them to have a ritual. Um, now, if I was a solo occult practitioner, I might do it in, in the bushes somewhere and have a little altar set up. So what you're doing is when you come onto a scene and you're investigating a scene, you look on the ground and you'll find clues as to what happened. Uh, right here, okay, we have a rope here. Uh, this is a this is a noose and actually if you look at it closely I don't know if the camera can pick this up but there's blood on this noose now this could have been used either to uh, bind someone up in some type of a ritual scourging or it could have actually been used on an animal uh, that was sacrificed uh, when sacrificing a cat or a dog of course, animals move around a lot and they get unruly, so they would tie it up. But there is blood all over this particular noose. Now, these are the kind of things that you'd be looking for. What we have here is a medicine bottle of 2% xylocaine. For those of you with medical knowledge, you would know uh, xylocaine, known as lidocaine, um, is a numbent. It's, it's used to numb... Uh, people, and for that matter, animals. And of course, if you're going to ritually sacrifice an animal or a human, for that matter, in a public place, you don't want them to be screaming in pain. Um, so it's not uncommon for occultists to use something like this. And of course, here we have it. On this tree here, we have some more graffiti. It's in red, which is a classical uh, satanic color. Now, what's interesting here is the number nine. Nine represents the nine satanic statements. You can find this in uh, a book by Anton Sanzer LaVey, which is called the Satanic Bible, and you will see that there are nine satanic statements. This is uh, the way occultists tell each other, hey, we're Satanists, and we're partying. One guy walking through one park. Of course, he knows because he was a former occultist, but uh, all over the place. How many parks do we have in our community? We just walk around, ride bikes, jog, do whatever. And it's probably there. You just don't think to look for it. Or if you see it, it just doesn't register because 
you haven't been taught. That means you're unaware of his schemes, right? And then he could take advantage of you or your city or your community and things of that nature, uh, and we should know better. So let's go a little bit deeper. I'm going to give you uh, a bunch more symbols and what they mean and uh, their satanic uh, uh, conjunction there. Uh, of course, this one is the inverted pentagram. Now, the one he saw there on the tree was the pentacle, as we dealt with in our witchcraft study, with the star pointed up. Uh, but if you see where you get the two up, uh, then that's the classic uh, pentagram uh, used, yes, in witchcraft, but also with Satanism. Satanism uses two points up. Pagans typically do the one point uh, up, the pentacle version. Uh, anyway, it's used. It symbolizes evil. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's two points up or one down. It's all bad. Uh, it doesn't matter if there's a circle around it or not. It's still a symbol of Satan. Now, they'll add to that sometimes this with the goat, in, and I'll get to why they do the goat in a little bit. Uh, this is called the Baphomet, a uh, demon symbol. It's unique to Satanism. Uh, it's a demonic deity, a symbolic of Satanism. It can be seen uh, in their jewelry. It's also, dare I say, on tattoos, just about everything. Also being used by Masons. Did you see that thing where he mentioned about the uh, thing of Solomon, that book or whatever? Yeah, we, we, if we're still alive and still here and the rapture hasn't happened, uh, eventually after our cult studies, we're getting into Freemasonry and secret societies. Hey, you're going to find out real fast, Freemasonry, it's Lucifer. They worship Lucifer, okay? That's why you see... Oh, and by the way, Joseph Smith, who is an occultist, who ripped off, we saw that in our Mormon study, right? Uh, he ripped off his secret handshakes, hand signals, uh, the, the magic underwear, right? That's all from Freemasonry. He ripped it off from Freemasonry, right? So it's all occult. And that's why you see a lot of similarities between these things because it's the same source, okay? But the Baphomet there, it's also being used by the Masons. It can be seen on their buildings, their emblems. Uh, and it, again, it's even on their vehicles, it's to, to identify one another. Uh, the hexagram, we saw this before in our witchcraft study. Uh, it's not the, the star of David, but it's uh, considered by the Satanists one of their most potent symbols used in the working of the powers of darkness. They use it to work their magic. If you see this one, this is specifically speaking of a branch of Satanism, Levian Satanism, uh, Anton LaVey's, we dealt with in our history section. So if you're a follower of his branch of Satanism, that's the symbol uh, that uh, 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 symbolizes that. This one is the, what's called the Ujat, U-D-J-A-T, or the all-seeing eye. Uh, it refers to Lucifer. They believe he's the king of hell. And below the eye is a tear, quote, because he mourns for those outside his influence. Yeah. Uh, and again, this is popping up everywhere, including with this one. And again, we'll get into this, Lord willing, for so long, I'm still here, into the Freemasonry study and the Illuminati and all that kind of stuff. This is the all-seeing eye, uh, also believed to be ultimately the eye of Lucifer. Sometimes we saw it, uh, Anubis or the eye of Horus way back in Babylon when we did our studies in history and witchcraft. Same thing, but uh, Satanists believe it's the eye of Lucifer. And those who claim control of it have control of the world finances. Shocker. I wonder why that's on our dollar bill. And we'll get to all that stuff eventually. Lord willing, for still alive and still here. Uh, it's used in divination, hexes, curses, psychic control, and all corruption are worked through this emblem. This is also a symbol of the Illuminati, and uh, this is also symbolizing the basis of a new world order, right? Out of uh, uh, order one, also says that on our currency as well. So you had a mixture of these kind of occult peoples uh, in our society as well. Dragon's eye. Have you ever seen this one? This is a dragon's eye. This is a satanic symbol. Uh, it's well known they, they, uh, in their circles anyway. It's a symbol of protection. 
uh, and they supposedly will protect anyone who recites the incantation to it. Uh, it's a universal motif, been around for uh, thousands of years. The word dragon, of course, occurs. Speaking of guess who? Satan, Revelation 13. Okay, uh, Durkestai. Uh, also, the Hindus believe uh, that uh, this symbol, because they have their version of Satanism, just like uh, witchcraft was all over the world. There's versions of Satanism too, worship of, of Satan, Lucifer around the world. But in their tradition, they believe that uh, the hungry look, uh, this, uh, the, the, the Greek word there for uh, dragon means a, 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 a looking, a darting to and fro, kind of like that, glancing, dartling. And the Hindu tradition was that this hungry look of the first being when its uh, fiery spirit was born out of the abyss of water uh, was doing that, whatever. So that's just a little bit of Hindu version of it. But the dragon's uh, eye symbolizes uh, supposedly three things, love, power, and wisdom. Uh, notice it's uh, triple triangles. Triple is also back to your number what? Three. I might as well put this up here. Okay, three. And as we saw, three is a big number in, guess what? Witchcraft. It's also in Satanism. It's also in Freemasonry, a 33-degree degree mason, all that stuff. So it's symbolic. But again, a triangle has what? Three sides. That's why you're going to see the triangles, versions of triangles, uh, uh, are all prevalent in the occult, including Satanism. Triple triangles are associated with the goddess, okay, and the triple goddess and the witchcraft and all that kind of stuff as well. Okay, this one is called the Satanic Cross. As you can see, it's a uh, upside-down question mark, if you see this, uh, and it represents, quote, questioning the deity of God. Genesis chapter 3, what did Satan do? What was the first thing out of his mouth in tempting Eve? Did God really say? What's that? That's doubt. So it's not a surprise that they have this as part of their symbols. Within the occult, it's representation of the, quote, three crown princes that they believe is Satan, Belial, and Leviathan. And it also symbolizes complete power under Lucifer, which then leads to this one. This is, of course, the upside-down cross, which we saw uh, Bill Gates' former wife, Melinda Gates, in her uh, interviews on the jab. Uh, she was wearing the upside-down cross, not by chance. And we had that on tape, so it's not a conspiracy theory. Uh, but this symbolizes, obviously, mockery and rejection of Jesus, right? So he upright cross. Remember the law of reversal? Right? They do everything backwards. Okay. Necklaces are worn by many Satanists. And, of course, this is all over Hollywood and media and all kinds of stuff. And a lot of these symbols are, actually. Especially the triangle. We'll probably get into this, Lord willing, next time with Hollywood. Uh, we could spend weeks on this. But they're, they're always doing the triangle. Do you think it's by chance? Typically, like down this area, all the chance, covering one eye, things of that nature. No, that's it's on album covers. It's everywhere. Okay, they're telling you who they work for. It's out there. But see, nobody knows this. They go, oh, that's kind of weird. Look at them. It's all eclectic, you know? No, it's not. They're just like we saw the guy, they mark their territory. These people will tell you who they are, who they work for. But if you don't know the symbols, then as Paul warned, you're unaware of his schemes. And he's going to take advantage of you, right? But this is the upside-down cross. This one's called the Italian horn. Uh, it's also known as the unicorn horn or the leprechaun staff. Uh, it was introduced by the Druids of Scotland and Ireland. It's supposed to be good luck and good fortune. Uh, it's also used to supposedly ward off the evil eye. Remember the evil eye, been the eye of horse? And basically, that's we're going to use occult techniques to fight off the occult. Turn to somebody and say, that doesn't work. Okay, but that's what they do, right? They believe that as well. They also believe uh, this one. Uh, it means that Satan will take care of your finances. So if you see somebody wearing that, uh, that's what's going on. 
Uh, let's go back to the Hindu thing. This is called the Dakma or the Angra Manya. It's a form of Indian Satanism, okay? Uh, and uh, where he is seen as the destroyer. Uh, and they believe that the, basically the, the creation was uh, brought about as a result of destruction. Remember in, in the witchcraft study, we dealt with the goddess, uh, obviously demon, Kali, the destroyer, the, the one you would never want to date, the tongue killing people and the skulls. And yeah, anyway, so that's kind of what's going on. This is from the satanic temple. If you ever see this one, notice the medical thing in the middle, right? Now watch what it means though. It means, quote, their right to accurate medical awareness to the right of abortion, murdering babies. So this is the satanic temple saying we have a right to murder children. That's what it means when you see that. Okay, this one, still on t-shirts today. People have no clue what they're uh, adorning. This is called the cross of Nero or the so-called peace sign. It's another one that mocks the cross of Jesus Christ, obviously. It's also known as the dead man room, and it appears on tombstones of Hitler's SS troops. Well, why? Well, we dealt with that also in our witchcraft study. We'll see a couple more tonight. Hitler was not just an evolutionist. He was an occultist. And you will understand the evils that he did and where he got his satanic evil ideas, okay, until you understand his background. He was an occultist. In fact, they told you they wore occult symbols. They were telling you that we're involved in the occult. We're an occult army. But people were not aware of the symbols even today, and they still don't get it, right? But again, occult people will tell you what they're up to because symbols are everything. That's how they codify their beliefs. This one's the goat head. Now, again, why is it the goat, right? Well, it's called the horn goat or the goat of Mendes, Baphomet, uh, or the scapegoat. It's Satanist's way of mocking Jesus as the lamb of God. So again, they do everything in reverse, the law of reversals we saw before. And so he's the lamb. Oh, we're going to worship the goat, right? So that's why they do that as well. Uh, the scarab beetle, we saw this again in our witchcraft study. It's an Egyptian symbol of reincarnation, uh, but it's also used by uh, uh, Satanists as a symbol of Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, or Satan, according to the scripture, worn by occultists to show that they have power uh, and is a source of protection, they believe. And let's get back to Hitler, who we saw before, the SS. Remember the SS? And they would wear that, right? Well, the SS is really a lightning bolt depicting Satan being cast out as lightning, Okay, it, re uh, it represents destroyer, uh, and it was uh, worn to, quote, have power over others, and of course was worn by the SS of Nazi Germany. So when these guys walked around, they weren't just called the SS, they were wearing the occult symbol, as occultists do, letting you know what? We're in an occult army. People still to this day don't get it. Okay, and again, we'll see the swastika was the same thing uh, shortly. This one I've seen personally in Vegas many different times right? And uh, it means anarchy. Uh, and it means to, quote, abolish all laws. In other words, do what thou wilt, which again is the number one law of Satanists. So when you see this, it's, that's exactly what it means. It's, it's used by uh, all kinds of people, okay? And, uh, uh, and again, I've seen this one all over the place. Now, I'm going to get into some hand signals. And again, this is, uh, again, we're going to get into this probably again with uh, Freemasonry because it's all about secret handshakes and whatever. Again, Joseph Smith, right? In fact, some reports he was trying to give before they uh, were shooting him and was trying to give some secret hand signals to get the get get him off and, and whatever because he was, anyway, he was also a Freemason re-guy and stuff of that nature. But I, I just want to clarify before I get into the hand signals, okay? Uh, I'm not saying that every single person that you ever see on media, if they happen to make a hand signal, 
is necessarily from Satan. Now, I think a lot of them are. And the reason why I say that is because I probably had over 25 years of teaching now, I probably had a good six emails of people accusing me of actually working for the Illuminati. I'm not joking. And, and of course, you know me, I'm a very animated speaker. I use my hands. I actually had people more than once say, Pastor Billy, I can't believe you, and I'm going to tell the whole world about you, but I stopped your video on this particular teaching. I'm not joking. At like, it's something like 42 minutes and 16 seconds, and you had your hand like this, proving that you're working. <laughs> Folks, I mean, come on. And I used to joke, excuse me, hey, if you stop it at 20.45, I'm probably making secret hand signals to the Crips down in L.A. or something. I mean, <laughs> I mean you, the odds are eventually, if you, and, and who's got the time to go frame for frame? So I want to balance this out. Hey, come on, don't go into, oh, that's all I got. He's doing, he's, he's working. He did the, the hook him horn things. He's a Satan. Not necessarily. But I will say, I think a lot of them are. So, so please balance that out. I want to say it before I get started. Okay. But they do use hand signals, just like the emblems, the tattoos, the badges, the SS. They'll let you know the markings on trees and the graffiti. They'll let you know they're in their area. But hand signals are a big one. Let me break those down. The horn god symbol. Uh, this represents the horn god, of course. Guess who? Right? It, it, even in witchcraft. Okay? And notice uh, it's done there uh, with the right hand, and the thumb is underneath it. But that's a signal of that. Uh, okay, now you go to the reverse one. Another one, uh, this is called the horn ham. This is done with the left hand, and it's a sign of recognition between those in the occult. Okay, so again, they'll just flash these, each other hand signals. I'm not going to do them, okay, to let them know that, hey, I'm with you, I'm in your camp, etc. And certain hands with certain the thumbs out, thumbs under, you know, it means certain things. Okay, so it's hand signals, okay? Uh, and this particular one, when pointed at someone, it's meant to place a curse on them, okay? Uh, this one, you say, hey, man, I went to Hawaii and I saw this thing. Well, this is actually the witch sign or the moon sign. Uh, yeah, surfers use it, football teams, hook them horns, all that stuff. Okay, and again, I'm not saying everybody's ever done that or, you know, is whatever, but guess what? That's what it means, and there are people that use this, and it's a sign that they're in the occult. Now, this one is called the Necroomicon, not to be confused with the latest scariant out there, uh, but uh, this is another hand sign. Uh, this, is, uh, this particular hand sign is for those who use them to invoke demons in black magic. It's also used uh, as, as called the sign of Vur to invoke the fallen angels, demons of Lucifer. So this is a particular hand signal they'll do when they're doing... Uh, the invoking of demons. Now, hopefully as a Christian, you don't do this anymore. Uh, but uh, if before you were a Christian, if you ever did this, you probably shouldn't have done it in the first place, right? Uh, but uh, if you've ever done this signal, believe it or not, this is actually an occult hand sign. It's called the sign of Kish. And it's, uh, they do it to, quote, break down all barriers and to open portals okay, including the abyss, and let loose demons. So don't do that. You shouldn't do that as a Christian anyway, right? But, how, you know, people are, not, they're even given occult hand signs that even the Hawaii, hang loose, it. I don't even want to do it. Or hook them horns, I don't even want to do it, right? Uh, or even, you better not do it, right? But it's actually an occult sign. And people are doing it all the time, they don't even realize it, right? Okay, 
Another one, this one's called the sign of Koth. The other one is the sign of Kish. This is the sign of Koth. And this, uh, instead of opening, it seals the gates and guards the pathways, okay, and things of that nature. This is what's called the sign of the elder gods. This is supposed to control the gods or demons and protect the ones who use it. Guess what? You're being lied to. And this is another one that a lot of people do. Uh, but again, it is an occult hand sign. I'm not saying, uh, you know, people are involved in the cult when they do it. Uh, but this is the okay sign. And the reason why is because if you do it, it forms a what? A six. It's not just okay, it's a six. And of course, six, 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 mark the bees, things of that nature. That's a big thing in the occult. Okay, so now this one's called the as above, so below uh, particular one. And this goes uh, way back uh, and in the occult. Uh, it's also used in reference to the light bringer, who is, of course, Lucifer, and uh, Masons use this one as well, and things of that nature. So if you see this particular one, that's what they're talking about. Uh, this one I'm going to throw in there. Uh, uh, this is specifically a witch sign that, uh, even though we're not dealing with witches anymore, but we're on that, I'm going to deal with this. Uh, this is a specifically one that witches will do to identify that, hey, I'm a witch, uh, just like you. But speaking of 666, there's different forms of that. Uh, it could be just the letters or the numbers 666. You could see variations of it. You could see kind of circles or just kind of the, the, the three that's mentioned there. And, of course, that is representative of, quote, Revelation 13, the mark of the beast, the number of man, which, again, cultists think is a good thing, right? Another one uh, is this version, okay, of 666. Uh, and if you look at the, maybe it's just a quinky ding, but his wife did wear the upside-down cross, but if you look at the uh, Chrome logo on Windows Chrome, the browser, it's got that. Maybe that's a quinky dink. I don't know. But that's also as well. Speaking of which, again, and as you can see, it's, it's three sixes, right? Six, and then move, and then six, and then six. That's what it is. It's not just a spiral. It's three sixes, and that's another sign, which leads to this one. Same kind of concept, but it's got snake heads on the end of it. Uh, this is called the three snakes, one charm. Uh, and again, it's also another form of 666. Uh, get into some Aleister Crowley stuff, which we dealt with in the witchcraft, but also in our history of Satanism. This, again, is the what we saw before, the universal hexagram. Uh, this is a symbol of the order of the silver star, uh, things of that nature. This one is also called the fairy star, as we saw in witchcraft, or the septagram. That's uh, a seven-pointer, but in the occult, uh, Aleister Crowley, this was the seal of Babylon, Okay. Uh, and uh, Babylon is considered the mother of abominations, the harlot or the whore, okay, which is what Revelation actually does talk about. But again, the occultists think this is a good thing, right? Uh, which they combine this with, this is from Aleister Crowley, the mark of the beast. Uh, he literally was called, as we saw before, the beast because of how evil he was uh, and things of that nature. But this is one of his personal seals uh, playing on that. And then you combine the two, uh, it's the mark of the beast and the seal of Babylon. And when you see these combined, it symbolizes the beast copulating with the whore of Babylon to bring forth the great beast, the Antichrist, which again, they think is going to be a great thing. As we saw before in our Scientology study, L. Ron Hubbard, working with Jack Parsons, who invented the rocket industry in Southern California, JPL Laboratories, that's what they were doing, the Babylon workings witchcraft, sex rituals, because they were wanted to bring the beast and the whore together to birth the Antichrist onto the planet. Remember that? All documented, not conspiracy theory. You will not understand anything about Scientology until you understand 
it's occult backgrounds. That's why for the first three studies on that, we dealt with his occult background, things of that nature. Uh, this is also another symbol for Baphomet, Alistair Crowley, but it's also uh, the symbol of the 33-degree founder, Albert Pike of the Masons. Okay, again, you're going to see it's straight across the board. They're serving the same thing. This, as we saw before in our history study, this is the Order of Nine Angles. This is uh, the military branch uh, of a branch of Satanism, as we saw before in our history section. Uh, it's uh, uh, seven different angles, or the nine angles. The angles uh, correspond to the uh, seven planets, seven lower uh, emanations from the Kabbalah's Tree of Life. If you're ever familiar with that, um, I think we dealt with a little bit of that in our Jewish study, and that's kind of the occult version, okay, with the, the Kabbalah. And of course, that's satanic as well. Uh, but it's used uh, as a symbol for uh, meditation, incantation, things of that nature. Back to Hitler, the swastika, we dealt with this before. That too. Uh, it's also called the sun wheel. It's an ancient symbol. Uh, even back with the Buddhist, which Hitler sent a lot of his folks from to grab a lot of cult techniques back to Germany, as we saw before, and things of that nature. So again, between the SS badges that they wore and the swastika all over the place, Hitler and his folks let you know where they were getting their power and inspiration from. But most people, even in that day, had no clue because they'd never been taught. They don't even know. But they were bold with it. We're basically, you know, an occult military, things of that nature. This is what's called the sigil of Lucifer. Okay. The sigil basically, uh, sigils in witchcraft and in Satanism, the occult, is basically a drawing that symbolizes a particular demon. In this case, this is supposed to be the specific drawing uh, that can conjure up Lucifer himself. Okay, and so you'll see these all over the place, different forms where you go, what's all that kind of weird thing? Did you see the thing that was on the pavement in that video with the uh, uh, mullet man? That was, I believe, more of a, a sigil, type of sigil, which they were using, again, to, for finances and, and things of that nature, but that's part of the ritual. So you're going to see that's what a sigil is. It's basically a, a, a drawing that represents the name of a particular demon. Again, this one's supposed to be uh, Lucifer himself. Uh, uh, it's a magical symbol which is used to perform black magic to conjure demons uh, so that the demons will fulfill the occultist, the Satanist desires. Yeah, have fun with that. Uh, this one is the symbol of the what's called the Temple of Psychic Youth, uh, a different group of Satanists. If you see that in your area, you got those guys plodding around in your neighborhood. This one is the symbol, the upside-down double axe, is actually a Satanic symbol. If you ever see this, meaning anti-justice. The Roman symbol of justice was the axe upright. So they do everything backwards what they want. Anti-justice, right? The Satanists and rebellion. And the feminists also use the axe. As we saw before in a witchcraft study, and you're wondering the roots of feminism came from witches, right? And so that's not a surprise. You see these in your area? Then that means they were doing a black mass there, right? Is typically what these are is an indicator uh, and of course, uh, that's where they do the, the Lord's Prayer recited backwards and all kinds of other things as well. But if you see that, that means they're getting ready to do one or they already did one. Uh, and that's how they mark it. This one's called the Seal of the Left-Hand Path. Uh, includes black magic and the path of Satan as well. You might see some uh, spirals or labyrinths. Okay, and we saw this again. Spirals are very popular also in witchcraft as well. Uh, this is also symbolizing the path of initiation uh, also, uh, they believe that the, the, the uh, labyrinths were uh, 
paths that the, the bad spirits would get lost into and they couldn't hurt you. Yeah, have fun with that. Uh, or it was a defined path that you did your ritual dance and you followed the path of the, the labyrinth or spiral. Speaking of spiral, that's what this is. Of course, it's, uh, again, the same connotation. Uh, also, uh, the lines, uh, a variation with three lines is, could also be used to represent, again, 666. Uh, if you see this one, that means they were doing a blood ritual uh, signifying uh, human or animal sacrifices. Okay. If you see this one, they were doing a sex ritual. Okay. Uh, and uh, things of that nature. If you see this one, uh, this is typically carved in the chest of a victim. And what this one means is the person uh, who they murdered and carved this in their chest was, quote, a traitor. The vertical line represents man's presence. The horizontal line indicates eternity, past, and future. And the arc represents the world, and being inverted is a mockery to God. You might also see this. You might even see this on tattoos. This is the sword of power of Satanists. Uh, and it may be seen upright or upside down with a drop of blood. You think it's a tear. That's not a tear. Okay, it's used by Satanists to represent light and darkness. You also may see this. This is basically, again, with witchcraft and the occult, they always have their protection amulets. And this is what this is representing, a, a, a talisman a amulet, believed to have magical powers. Okay, and again, different ones with different writings are supposed to give you protection and things of that nature. And again, as you see, all over Hollywood, the media, whatever, the triangle. Triangle is huge. And again, it's got three sides, right? And you'll see people making triangles, triangles on artwork and all that kind of stuff. It's not by chance they're doing that. It's used for magical purposes of casting spells and summoning demons. It's found near ritual sites believed to be the door through which demons can be called. Okay? So a triangle is huge in the occult. And this is the tritum, which is uh, used as a symbol of enforcement among the occult. And of course, there's many different variations as well. And there's a ton more, and we could be here for a long time, but I think I've given you enough to imprint in your brain and again, I will challenge you after tonight, you need to look around next time you're in a park or around your neighborhood or you go to the dumpster or you're just driving around Vegas. Look at the graffiti. It ain't just all gang signs. And you're going to see, guess what? We don't have witchcraft all over the Vegas. This is in Vegas, Satanism. But you didn't know it because you didn't recognize the symbols. Okay? And you don't have to freak out and be afraid. You just need to get motivated. You need to pray. You need to speak up. Okay, as well. Okay, and again, uh, before we close, I just want to remind ourselves, you know, that's kind of freaky, it's kind of creepy. And uh, we're aware now of the symbolism so that we're not unaware, so we could be taken advantage of and we could recognize if in fact that Satanism is a part of our community. Unfortunately, it is. Okay, but does that mean that it's doomed? We just need to stay away from that neighborhood. We just need to hide out. We need to be a bunch of chicken livers and keep it, no. And so I want to remind ourselves, the reason why God speaks about Satan so much is because he's real, but he tells us his character so we can be prepared. He even tells us his tactics, as Paul says, don't be unaware of it. Why? So that we can be equipped, so that we're not running around being afraid, so that we, even if we run into somebody who's involved in Satanism, what do we do? We witness to him. Not get afraid. You witness to him. Why? Because Satan is not the one who's in control. God is. I don't care how far a person has gone. I don't care how many years they've been involved, even in Satanism. 
The power of Jesus Christ can save them just like that and draw them out like he did with this guy. Let's watch this. I hated people all my life. And if I couldn't use you, you meant nothing to me at all. Being a short kid with buck teeth, Brian Cole was the perfect target for bullies. But none of his classmates teasing compared to the physical and emotional abuse he received from his own father. I had this idea all through life that until I got to the age where I could take my dad on fisticuffs, that I would never be right with him. I hated him. I hated him. As Brian grew, so did his hatred. And by fifth grade, he began stealing and picking fights in school and church. I was getting the finger pointing and you're a little troublemaker and you're a nobody, you're a nothing, you're never going to amount to anything, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. Here I was, 10 years old. And I didn't want to be at home. I don't want to be at school. I don't want to be at church. But one person was different than the rest. His mother, Dorothy. I always told him I loved him. And I'd say, no matter what you do, you're not going to turn my love away. Then Brian met some older kids from the neighboring high school. They offered him a cigarette and friendship. He accepted both gladly. They stuck up for me. So now the tables got turned. And I remember realizing that and, and saying to myself, now it's my turn. Emboldened by his new friends, Brian became what he hated most. And pretty soon, everybody knew his name. I was a, a big time drug addict and selling marijuana, I was selling pornography in schools, breaking into churches and stealing their sound equipment and trashing the place. I loved it. I loved that people looked up to me. I loved that people were scared of me and I was the man. <laughs> When Brian was 14, his father turned him in for dealing pot. For the next four years, he was shuffled around group homes, treatment centers, and psych wards while continuing to sell drugs and steal. Still, his mother refused to give up on him. I tried my best. It was just one thing after another. It was hard. I was happy where I was at and couldn't change me. The, the drugs were my life. At 18, Brian aged out of the system and his parents divorced. Shortly after, a sting operation landed him in jail. He was charged with burglarizing 250 homes and sentenced to 10 years in prison. While in maximum security, Brian took up a new hobby he believed would further his reputation, Satanism. By then, I was already heavy into the speeders, heavy into LSD. Seeing the fear in people's eyes, knowing what I was involved with, even the guards, Boy, that, that really fed that ego. Then shortly after his release in 1994, Brian's new girlfriend cheated on him with her soon-to-be ex-husband. Brian, in turn, broke into the man's home and shot him point blank. The man survived, and a tip led to Brian's arrest. That tip came from his mother. Of course I blame my mom. You're going to do me like that? At that point, I decided there's nothing more I could do for him. I had to pray for him. That's the only thing that would bring me through. <laughs> After serving 12 years, Brian was a free man. He reconnected with an old friend and customer and turned him on to a new addiction, meth. One night after going on a six-day binge, his friend passed out on a mattress next to a heat register. It caught fire. 
and he burned to death. A year later, Brian was once again behind bars. I was in my 40s, and I just didn't want to live anymore. I knew I was responsible. Desperate to get clean, Brian joined what turned out to be a faith-based drug and alcohol program. I found out you had to have a Bible in order to do the homework. And I'm like, oh, man. It was all filling in the blanks from Scripture. And that's when it went from just filling in the blanks to now I'm reading some stuff. The Lord said, you shall know the truth. And the truth is that you're free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. And because I was reading truth, it was already starting to change me. Instead of me filling in the blanks now, the, the gospel was filling in mine. As much as Brian wanted God's love, one thing kept holding him back. How could God forgive me for the things I said and did against him personally? The old chaplain at the jail, I told him about that and he said, you been reading your Bible? I said, yes, sir. And he said, you read that part about as far as the East is from the West? And I said, yeah. And he goes, do you think I can forgive? He chooses to. And that's what it took. And on January 22nd, 2009, I got on my knees and I said, I'm all in. Your Lord, use me. Well, I never in the world thought I'd see, <laughs> see this miracle in my life. So there is a Lord. Brian renounced Satanism and over the next 18 months learned to forgive. And by his release in 2010, there was only one person left he needed to make peace with. I went to my dad shortly after I was released and I said, I hope you can forgive me. Shortly after that, I was over at his place one day and, and he said, you know what, Brian? I love you and I'm proud of you. And I had not heard those two words all my life. Brian, who's now a husband, father, and pastor, has a new purpose, to share God's love and forgiveness with others. I want to be a picture of hope for anybody, especially those involved in, in crimes and ex-convicts and, ex and, and the, the hurting, the, the manipulated, those coming out of drugs. Because I want them. I want them to have the same thing I got. I want to show them Jesus. And that in Jesus' arms, you can be set free. Even if you got involved in Satanism. No matter what you've done. That's how powerful the cross of Christ is. Why are we doing these studies? It's Christian sensationalism. I get tired of watching Netflix, so let's go to Wednesday night and freak ourselves out. I hope that's not what you're doing. It's to get equipped. We're, we're Sunrise Bible Church. You're supposed to study all the Bible. And so when you study all the Bible, Old and New Testament, you got to deal with these issues because it's in the Bible. But why does God tell us so much about this? Not only so that we don't have to be afraid, but so we can be equipped. And so that even if we come across with witches or occultists or Satanists, even in our own neighborhood, we don't run like a bunch of chicken livers and we share the love of Jesus. We pray for them. We reach out to them. 
And what happens? They get saved. And yet churches today keep their mouth shut. And all the wicked behavior that is going on in these groups is allowed to increase without any resistance. And people like this that we need to reach are not being reached. That's the crime of coming with this self, which again is Satanism, mentality. I didn't come here to hear this. Well, in love, I don't care what you want to hear. As your pastor, we're a Bible church, and you're going to get all of it. And that's what God has called me to do. And as we get equipped, he's going to use us to do great things. Amen? Lord willing, next time, if we're still alive and still here, we're going to finish out our study on at least Satanism with the final aspect, the promotion of Satanism. Why is it getting so popular? Why are kids jumping into this big time? Uh, why is it on the, the, the uptick in such a massive scale, uh, including even in churches? Well, it's being promoted all over the place. And we'll conclude our study with that, Lord willing, next time. Let's go ahead and pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. 
and we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, For instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, Uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive his pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave, and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly, and please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.